Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Katie. And you're listening to I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. A horror movie podcast. If you're a fan of the show, please like and follow us on iTunes and Spotify and review us. It'll help spread the word. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared or email us at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us today. It's today, not tonight. That's right. It's daytime. The sun is shining. Yeah. We are going to talk about Halloween, 1978's Halloween. Yes. Um, I'm really stoked. Yeah, we've been, we've been like, this has been, a I wouldn't say a long time coming. We haven't been recording that long, but. I mean, it's been over a year. Yeah. There was never any doubt that this was uh, an important thing that we would need to cover at some point. And I think that we were just waiting for a time to give it its uh, due Pomp and circumstance, and mm-hmm. in that vein, we're going to dedicate two episodes to the franchise. Yeah, and we wanted to do it right, and like I think we kind of stayed away from a movie franchise we love so much without having kind of more experience doing this podcast. You That's know, like, true, yeah. To give it justice. And that would have been really... really awful if we had started with this, because when I think back to, you know... How, how, we were how the first episode came out. And then we're like, ooh, well, let's, you know, this is our hobby. Yeah. But um, I'm excited to talk, to, to talk about it. But before we dive into that. I need to hear from um, Meredith. Yeah. What so, is new with you? Well, um, the school year is underway and I'm te- te- teaching um, four-year-olds. <laughs> They're like, just. What, what, do you, what do you teach four-year-olds? <laughs> um, how to sit crisscross applesauce on mm-hmm. the carpet. Um, Is it just me? Because they called that Indian style when we were kids, right? You can't say that anymore. I know you can't, and uh, that, but it's funny because... I'm <laughs> spitting on my fingers to like get away from the curse. Like when they started using the phrase crisscross applesauce with my kids when they were little, I was kind of like, oh, that must be a regional thing because I grew yeah. up in Sacramento and we're in the Bay Area now. But then like years into it, I was like... Oh, oh, I bet you they can't say Indian style anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I say, sit crisscross applesauce, pepperoni pizza. And, you know, it's... What's the relevance of the I pizza? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just a completely thing, unnecessary it's phrase. It's just things you say to little kids to make it catchy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but the pepperoni pizza part doesn't even rhyme. I don't know. It's got, I mean, there's a rhythm, a cadence to it, I can see. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're a trip. They're fun. It's a lot of work, but, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm learning about a whole different grade level and, you know, I, I'm keeping really busy. So, um, you know, I'm glad that I've settled in my classroom. That's all. It was yeah. just like a big thing hanging over hurdle. my head. And I think I'm mostly settled in and it's just, it was really hard and tons and tons of sweat equity and like so much work. It was yeah. crazy. Like, I had bruises all up and down my arms. Oh, my God. From, like, moving boxes and furniture and all yeah. this stuff. And it was intense. So, um, and also, tomorrow, I'm going to see Nine Inch Nails at the Greek Theater. You so are? I'm, I'm very excited. Wait, I at the Greek them. Theater in L.A.? No, 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 in Berkeley. So There's a Greek Theater in Berkeley? Apparently. I thought it was a, sh- I thought it was a shoreline. 
And because uh, Victor was like, where is the movie? Or excuse me, where's the concert? And I was like, Shoreline. And he's like, oh, it's at Greek Theater. I was like, sure. Because he, he got the tickets because mm-hmm. um, I, I was working at the time um, when they went on sale. So he, he, he did that. But um, apparently it's really cool. My friend, I just went and got pedicure with her and um, we we're talking about it. And she said, it's a really cool theater. It's like outside and um, like everywhere you sit is like a really good seat in the house. So. That's awesome. Uh, now that you, care you've about seen them before, close. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in the 90s. I'm very old. In the late 90s. <laughs> uh, in the 2000s and today. <laughs> so I'm excited. They always do a really good show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last time I saw them was when I saw them with Soundgarden. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So it's been a minute, obviously. Yeah. R.I.P. Chris Cornell. But I'm excited. It'll be fun. But uh, what's new with you? Um, yeah, I mean, school year as well. Um, you know, no, the only bruises that I bring home from work are from, you know, opening and closing the high windows in my classroom. Um, cause they're supposed to be one of those little hooks, mm-hmm. you know, that you're able to do it with, but mine was busted on day one mm-hmm. of last year. Um, but I'm tall enough that I can reach, but sometimes if I'm not careful, I, you know, like just ratchet my arm against the iron frame of the window and and end up uh bruised that way but that wasn't what i was going to talk about that's a really good uh, that's a really good cover-up story for your domestic abuse abuse. yeah yeah. thanks for calling me out on that in front of everybody you're welcome Uh, if if a friend won't call you out yeah and when you're feeling vulnerable who will wait a minute is this an intervention yep an intervention against those shitty windows that's right no they're awful but they've been essential this week because we've had such crazy crazy hot weather for i mean everywhere's experiencing hot weather obviously numerically we are in much better shape than everywhere else on the planet or at least everywhere else in california um but it's still stupid hot for here And, uh, you know, our buildings and our lifestyle and our poor children are not equipped for it. Like, I love the warm days because we don't so we don't have a cafeteria at our school. The kids Mm -hmm. eat snack and lunch outside. And on the sunny days, like you go out and they are just all there's no one in the middle of the yard because everybody's hugged up against the side of the buildings and like like the small. Kissing at the sun. Yeah. yeah. And, and just, I mean, they complain when it's like 75. Yeah. So they so completely when it's 100 stop degrees. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. They're well, the thing is, okay, so people are like giving us shit, be like, oh, you Bay Area, you people. I'm like, okay, fine. Um, it was on, it was the hottest on record in our town mm-hmm. on Tuesday. It was 100 degrees. 100 and, and when I got in the car, it said 106. And that doesn't happen here. Yeah. And everyone's like, who lives everywhere else, they have, like, proper insulation. They yeah. have air conditioning. They have mm-hmm. a lot of things. And we just don't. We have, like, a fan. Yeah. And I don't so even have like shorts. This, like, right? that's how <laughs> equipped we are for that weather. Yeah. So it was 90, at least 95 degrees in my classroom with, like, not much relief. And um, and plus there are 20-some-odd little bodies in yeah. there, which makes it even hotter. So there's it yeah. was rough, but... Um, well, and it's hard to yeah. expect them to, you know, participate and perform with their, you know, classroom, their studious expectations yeah. when they're so physically uncomfortable. Yeah, and there's nothing we can do about it. And I don't know, like, mm-hmm. I felt bad and we were all just miserable and we just tried to get through the day. So yeah. <laughs> it was kind of, it was, it was really wild. It was crazy. But on so. the um, a good note, I have uh, joined, found and joined um, a kickboxing gym. Do you know the one up in Fairmont? Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I had seen it there for years. Um, I used to do, I had done kickboxing at a couple of different places in the past, both like, you know, shadow cardio kickboxing and also like actual like heavy bag kickboxing or boxing classes. But then when I injured my back like five or six years ago, I stopped all of that um, because I was like, well, I need to wait until it healed. But then I never did anything to actually like, I didn't do any physical therapy. I didn't do any exercises to recover from the injury. And you're like, this is fine. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just stop. I'll just, and, <laughs> I'll just hobble around and yeah. be okay. Um, but I like, I ran a ton during COVID. Like I was running a 5k every day mm-hmm. and, um, and that didn't really bother the back too much, but it's like, you know, you're fairly upright and in one physical position, but like with kickboxing, it's like leaning and twisting and dipping mm-hmm. and all that shit. But, um, one of the new teachers at our school this year, she told me that she goes to that, uh, the one up in Vermont and, um, Mm -hmm. that she loves it. And she, you know, goes almost every day and, um, it has, uh, classes that are really early in the morning and fairly late in the evening, Mm -hmm. which makes it, you know, more manageable for, you know, somebody with a work schedule. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And then they have this great Labor Day special. Um, so I bought like a package and then they totally succeeded. Successfully upsold me on the night of my trial class, and I got like, you want to come here forever. You're like, I do, <laughs> I do. Oh my god, don't like, you they want w- the pink gloves? And you're like, I, <laughs> oh my god, I of need them. I <laughs> no, but it, it's um, you know, they wait until like after the class, so you've got all the endorphins in your body, and you're just feeling incredible. And you, you, you give them money for anything, yeah. Um, but so the first my trial class, I did like it was their last class of the night is at 7 45, so it's like mm-hmm. fairly late to like be done with that to go home to shower and everything and you are kind of like not keyed up but you're you're energized you up, for sure. um, and it's you know usually the time of the night when I'm like okay now I need to get to bed mm-hmm. um but I still loved it and then the and you're next just class punching the air all night and Tom was like please stop <laughs> please, like, please stop <laughs> please stop <laughs> I'm rolled up <laughs> Um, but then the next class that I tried, I tried the 5.30 a.m. class before uh, going to school. Um, and that was like kind of amazing, too. Like it sucked to have to get up that early. But you have a lot more energy in the class than you do if you're taking it at the end of a workday. Yeah, um, yeah. So I really liked them both. But I'm looking forward to continuing to do that, um, hopefully as much as possible, since I'm paying for an unlimited membership. Now you are. I was there. I went there before when they first opened. Uh huh. Uh, and I got like a 12 pack of classes or whatever. And it's really fun. It's yeah. great. But I'm already, I'm already part of another gym, which I haven't gone to in like a year. Oh, tell anyone. Well, it's just owned by like a guy and, and I, I want him to be there when I decide to go back. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like paying for my membership. I love you, Chris. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I want to go back. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, I'm so tired. And then I'm like, but I always feel better. Yeah, but knowing that you will feel more energized and feel good about yourself and make better, even knowing all of that doesn't make it easier to get off your ass and do it. True. So, I mean, today, on that note, I did run on my elliptical right Mm -hmm. over here. Uh, I have one in my my room. I almost call it my living room. I did two and a half miles. Nice. So I'm like, I just need to remember how I feel after. It's just hard. Yeah. And especially what I just described, that moving in process and just like working out, you know, 10 hours a day or something yeah. crazy for like days and days and days. You want to give yourself a little bit of <gasps> grace for... <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no, and no. it's like heavy lifting. It wasn't just like paperwork or something like It was like yeah. manual labor. Box. It was like, yeah, I was like sweating my life away. And um, so, yeah, I, th- I think I want to do kind of the same thing like that you're doing, yeah. you know, like take care of myself too, because... 
I only get one body and it's getting pretty creaky. So yeah. well, that's saying like turning 40, like it had a reverse effect on me. Like it didn't make me feel old. It made me realize I'm like, I could potentially have 40 more years to live. Yeah, you can't and if be, like, I'm hobbling all, around. Yeah, already. like if I already am starting to feel like not as agile or not as whatever than I used to be, and I'm only maybe halfway done with my life, like sure, let's let's make some corrective movements here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm glad you like it. I've heard great things. I mean, I was there and um, it was really cool. So yeah. I would maybe go back one day. But um, moving on, now that we've had like a very basically a whole. Uh, commercial for kickboxing. <laughs> hey, I never said the actual name of the gym. It's called Kickboxing Store. <laughs> it's called Wall Kick. Wall Kick. <laughs> Sometimes they kind of made me think of Mouse Rat for a little bit. For some reason. <laughs> All right, so this week I am doing the recap. Um, so I last week I felt really crappy and stayed home from work. Mm-hmm. And then I watched Halloween. Which always makes you feel better. And then, um, no, wait. I watched on the weekend, and I felt crappy on the weekend. That's mm-hmm. what happened. So, anyway, I felt like shit, and I watched it and typed lots of notes. Um, How long it had, had it been since you had watched it the last time? Probably a year. Not that long, because I usually like to pop it in, like, pop it in, like, a DVD. No, like, have it play. Click it on. Click it on. <laughs> Stream um, it through. Yeah. Um, I I'm, pop it around, in. I do have the DVD. <laughs> you do have the DVD. I like to watch it or have it on the background um, at least once every yeah, Halloween. Every Halloween. Got it's, to. It's, it's very like, you know, it's like part of my... It's ambiance. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. So I'm doing the recap. It was made in 1978 and it starts with the uh, creepy, iconic Halloween music. Um with the brawny pumpkin and the opening credits. And then there's the title card that says Haddonfield, Illinois. Um, and then it says um, Halloween night, 1963. And there's a first person perspective um, walking up to a house, moving to the side of the house and looking through the windows, spotting two teens uh, groping each other and, and licking lips. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> why? I don't know. That's what they had on there. So um, they leave the couch. They go upstairs. There's suspenseful music that starts as the person who who's unknown uh, to the viewers walk in, walks inside. You see a hand open a drawer in the kitchen and pull out a knife. Then the boyfriend leaves and walks down the stairs. Um, and he doesn't spot whoever's lurking in the shadows. The camera, um, the or slash the person, is, goes upstairs there's a mask on the floor, and the perpetrator puts it on, and then the audience is now seeing through holes uh, in the mask. It's a clown mask. Um, spotting the, his naked sister, this woman says, Michael! So I'm they're siblings. And um, then you see the knife go towards her, and she gets stabbed. It's very, you know, kind of gruesome. Um, and then the murderer walks outside and a car arrives and the parent, her, um, I guess the parents walk out of the out car and they go, Michael, and the dad pulls off the mask, revealing a dazed little boy wearing a clown costume and holding a bloody knife. Now it's October 30th, 1978. There's a car driving and heavy, a heavy pound, um, downpour revealing a man, um, a bald man who's wearing kind of, what's it like a trench coat or something or mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's there's a nurse who's driving. They're approaching an institution. They're talking about the strategy of transporting a prisoner to be in front of a judge. The doctor doesn't want him to ever be released. He's adamant that um, you know he doesn't need to be released into the streets. It's you know not safe. In the street up 
leading up to the hospital, there are patients wandering uh, outside of the gates and around the road. The doctor, doctor gets out of the car and calls the little hospital on the the, um, the phone. I think it's, what is it, like a place where you check in? Yeah, um, one of those little speaker boxes at yeah. the gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boop, 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 hello. Yeah, so he calls, uh, or he's trying to get through, and you see a patient jump on top of the car at the in the back, and the, um, on top of the car, and then smash through the window and um, attack the nurse who's driving. The nurse jumps out of the car, and she's like, ah! And then <laughs> rolls onto the... Jumps Spot out of the car. Spot on impression. Ah! Oh, my. Um, jumps out. Um, the doctor, you know, um, exclaims. And he's like, oh, he runs over, and the car, like, drives away. And he goes, "The he's gone. The evil is gone. And then the lady, the nurse is on the ground, and he's like, I've got to get it. And then he runs off. Or I've got it. And he runs away. Like, like walks away. And she's, like, on the ground. Yeah, no, I'm fine. I know. I'm like, I'm like, well, that's okay. He could have been like, could I help you up? He's like, bye. And runs off. So. He, he kicked her and ran. <laughs> yes. So now we're in Haddonfield. Um, um, it's daytime. We see a young woman leaving with her books in her uh, out of the house. And her dad walking out saying, um, don't forget to drop off a key at the Myers place. Um, her dad is a realtor. A little boy runs up to her and asks if they're going to have popcorn later. She is his babysitter. This is also Lori, the main character. He says, "You're um, when they walk up to the Myers house, he says, you're not supposed to walk up there. That's a spook house. And she says, oh, yeah. And then she drops, walks up and drops a key under the mat and walks away and they go on go on their way. But don't we see the viewpoint of somebody looking Yes. Yeah. So someone is looking outside at them and there's heavy breathing inside of the house um and it's watching the main character Lloyd walk away with that little boy. Um the doctor from earlier in the earlier scene uh, who's Dr. Loomis he is leaving a hospital and he's in a huff because another doctor didn't set enough precautions in place for his patient, Michael. Um, the other doctor said, the bull, the, you know, Michael can't drive. And he's, Dr. Lewis is like, well, he did a really great job before, you know. Um, he, he, he did knows it very it. well last night. He did it very well <laughs> last night. Um, and he, he says he knows where Michael's headed. He mm-hmm. says he's going to, you know, going to Haddonfield. Because this so, is, what well, this is 15 years later, right? From um, when, because it was 63 when he murdered his sister when he was yeah. six. Yeah, it was 63 and, and this is 70, 1978. So, okay. um, so then he, he knows where Michael's headed. He's going to go there to go and like retrieve him or I guess get him in, you know back into custody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lori is now, it, the scene is Lori's in class. So she's looking outside and she sees a creepy stalker sitting next to a car. Um, then... Um, you know, she's like, that's kind of weird. It's, like, unsettling. And, and then she looks back, and he's gone. Um, then there's the little boy from before who was walking with Lori. Um, he's holding a giant pumpkin, and he's also being bo- bullied by three little jerks. <laughs> three little jack-offs. <laughs> three little jerks. <laughs> and they're talking with the boogeyman, and they're like, it's going to come get you. And they trip him, and he smashes the pumpkin, and the little boy is like, what the crap is going on? Aptly um, naming a band later he, on down Yeah, the right? <laughs> Um, so out comes creepy, I call it creepy Michael, who comes face to face with one of the bullies who's running away and then he lets him go. And then, uh, Michael gets in the car, 
that was stolen, and he proceeds to stalk the little boy as he walks to his own house. Um, then we see Dr. Lewis. He's on a payphone calling, I guess, official people. I don't know. He spots. <laughs> he dicked at the phone. He's, Give me the most official people you have. <laughs> I know. Um, he spots a truck on the side of the road, um, and then he sees a patient robe. Uh, he looks around, and he's like, what the hell? You know, he thinks that Michael's definitely been there, and Lewis, again, runs off. Like he tends to do to go and track him down. But he does not see that there's a dead man in the brush. Um, And he, you know, I think he had his uniform, like his uh, gas station uniform taken. Missing, yeah. Yes, taken. So then Lori and I said, and her annoying friends are now walking home. They are the worst. (laughs) Oh my gosh. They're walking home. Lori is upset. She forgot a chemistry book. And then her dumb, dumb friend <laughs> says, I always forget all my books. Who cares? Anyway, her name is Linda. Who what? needs books anyway? She's Come like, on, she's Linda. The, she's the tits McGee in, in this PJ? movie. Yeah. Yeah. Poor PJ. She's so and, gorgeous. I know. Anyway, her friend Linda, Linda is talking about her books and how she doesn't need books and who, who needs them anyway. Uh, Lori notices the car that's stalking them, um, or, well, she notices this car that was stalking that little boy, and then she had kind of seen it before, too. And it's slowly driving by uh, her and her friends. And one of her friends yell, yells out, speed kills, to the car that's going very slowly Yeah, I never by. got why that was supposed to be funny. I'm like, Annie? No. Yeah, Annie's like, speed kills! He's driving, like, four miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, and then the car slams on the brakes and then um, drives away. The three of them continue to walk down the street as the creepy Halloween music plays. Uh, Lori sees a man step out as she's walking in front from behind a bush. And she asks her friend, she said, hey, do you, did you see that? And then um, her friend, is it Annie? It's Annie, yeah. Annie's like, I didn't see anything. And she walks over. She she makes a big show of it. And then she pretend she didn't see anything, but then she pretends to. Um, she messes with Lori and says, oh, he wants to ask you out on a date, but no one's really there. Yeah. And um, she goes, poor Lori, scared another one away. I know. <laughs> <laughs> then she pokes fun, of her, uh, fun at Lori for being boring and not going out. And then she's in deep... a good friend. <laughs> yeah, her good friend. She's in deep thought, and then she runs into her friend... Uh, Lori is in deep thought as she's walking, and she runs into her friend's um, dad, who's uh, a sheriff. And um, so that happened. Anyway, so Lori sees trick-or-treaters next door. They're kind of screaming. She's alarmed. I mean, she's on edge already. Yeah. A little bit. And then she's like, oh, it's trick-or-treaters. Uh, her windows are open. She goes inside, um, and she closes them. And she sees a man in the, um, kind of, like, between all of the hanging sheets that are up, hanging up to dry, like, staring up at her window. That, yeah, that's, like, a go-to scary movie yeah. setting, is that the clotheslines with, like, who washes 47 sheets at once? Like, it's just, like, sheets... Is that they, not normal? I mean, but it's, like, at the beginning of the original It, they use it in The Conjuring. Like, that's just, like, yeah. the clothesline covered in sheets is, like, yeah. a big thing. Everyone has pee-pee pants. Maybe if we weren't a bunch of bedwetters. <laughs> Come on, Lori, quit wetting your bed and driving men off. <laughs> You're never going to get a date. You're never going to get a date. Um, so she's freaking, you know, she's obviously, like, what the heck, and... Um, the phone then rings. Lori hears just like chewing. She hangs up. It rings again. She thinks it's a heavy breather. And then it's her friend Annie who's like, I'll pick you up at 630. Uh, Lori's just 
kind of creeped out. She lay, lays down in bed and tells herself she's being ridiculous. She needs to calm down. Yeah, because they're both, Annie and Lori are babysitting that night for, like, two kids that live across the street from each other. Yeah, two different families, and um, she's, you know, her ride for for the night. So Lori then leaves with her, her house. She has her babysitting stuff, like a random blanket. Um, that you need when you babysit. Yeah. And, then, and she uh, brought, she brought a, the pumpkin. A pumpkin for Tommy. Um, so she sits waiting for Annie. <laughs> She's wait, you know, watches the trick-or-treaters. She's just kind of hanging out. Annie picks her up and then they're on their way. Then we see Dr. Loomis with a man in the cemetery. They're going to the Myers plot. Um, he has a, you know, a suspicion that Myers is there. He's probably going to go to his family's house. His, their plot, something is, you know, he's, he hasn't been there. He's been basically in custody since he was a little boy. Right. So he's going to come back and kind of rekindle his love for Haddonfield. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the headstone is gone. Uh, Judith, is it Judith Myers? Judith, yeah. Uh, Judith, his sister, uh, who he uh, murdered, um, the headstone's not there anymore. And then the guy showing him the cemetery is like, oh, those darn kids that steal 100 steal. pounds. Right. And stones are so heavy. Like, I know. Oh, is that a prank? Oh, they're so silly. Um, <laughs> scamps. <laughs> little scamps. Then Doc, but Doc Lomas is like, I know who this is, who did this. Um, so then Lori and her friend Annie, they're smoking weed. They see her sheriff dad, who's at the side of a, a hardware store where the alarm's going off. Uh, her dad informs them when they pull up to see what's going on that somebody, um, the perp, took a Halloween mask, rope, and knives, but it's nothing to worry about. Because totally innocuous set of, you know, if, <laughs> also got a, a shovel and some tarps and a bag of lime. <laughs> I know. I'm like, well, that's not great. Uh, so, of course, Michael is following the girls, creepy stalker. Um, Loomis gets there and asks, he gets there to the, um, to the uh, hardware store and asks to talk to the sheriff. And then Michael sees, um, you know, sees Loomis as Loomis is kind of waiting to talk to the sheriff. And, and uh, Michael is able to drive by without Loomis noticing that he's driving because um, he has to continue his stalking. He has to go continue stalking Lori and Annie because they. It's on his list. Well, I mean, Lori happened to walk over by his house and obviously that's a sign. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that he has to stalk them for the rest of his life. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Michael spots Lori. Uh, walking inside the house to babysit Tommy, and then Annie drives across the street to babysit at the other house for um, I think it's Lindsay. It's the other girl. Yeah, Lindsay little, Wallace. Little girl. Yeah, and so, Tommy Doyle. And Tommy. Uh, the sheriff drives Loomis to the Myers house. They spot a dead dog, um, and the sheriff is like, "A man wouldn't do it, do that." And Loomis says, "This isn't a man." Um, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh man, this isn't a man. He stole." Knives, a mask, and a headstone, so he's out to seek some sort of revenge or kill. I don't know. Um, they walk around the house. Loomis just tells the sheriff that he met Michael 15 years ago, and he started treating a six-year-old. And he realized that just he was evil. He was trying mm-hmm. to get to him for a while. And Loomis says he um, you know, tried to get through to him, and then he realized it's kind of like he tried treating him and then he realized he's just trying to keep him in custody and not out in the world because he's very very dangerous um and he said he would wait at the Myers house for michael um the sheriff said okay fine i'll come back and check on you in an hour because there's scamps stealing headstones they got to go deal with that right and and masks (laughs) and knives and ropes Yeah, yeah 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 so meanwhile Lori's babysitting annie calls her to see what's going on the dog starts barking because 
Michael stalking them. Uh, Tommy looks outside and sees Michael outside Lindsay's house, and he goes to tell Lori, but she's like, it's fine. Um, you know, you're being, he's like, it's the boogeyman. And he's like, she's like, there's not a boogeyman. You know, calm down. We're going to go, like, do, you know, carve a pumpkin and do other yeah. things. Yeah, well, because Tommy had been, like, talking about the boogeyman even before, like, earlier. And that's when, um, like, at the beginning when they're having that first conversation. And she's like, yeah. there's no boogeyman. There's no boogeyman. Well, let's see about that. <laughs> um, Annie's watched by Michael as she dumps something all over herself. Uh, oil or something. and um, Or butter. She grabs a man shirt and she has to show her legs and her butt. I guess in the scene, um, <laughs> there's a mandatory yeah, and requisite she, butt shot. Yeah, and then she continues to oversalt the food. Uh, the family dog Lester spots Michael and starts barking outside, and then he's killed. You hear him like yelp. He was a sweet German shepherd. Yeah. Uh, across the street, uh, Lori and Tommy are watching the thing. He starts asking her about the boogeyman. He says he saw him outside, and then um, they decide to go make a jack o' lantern. Across the street, we see Annie walking to the laundry room in that shirt. And um, Michael is outside, kind of, like, looking looking at her. Yeah, because the laundry room's, like, a separate building in the backyard. Like, she has to go yeah. outside and, like, through the yard into it. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, there's, like, a path, and it's super dark. It's hard to see. And she's walking out there to wash her buttery clothes. <laughs> um, and then I said, cue the suspenseful music. Uh, Annie is trapped because the door has slammed shut and is locked. So Lindsay's inside watching TV and doesn't give a crap. <laughs> she, doesn't, she couldn't give two shits about <laughs> That's what it. I said. Lindsay's back inside on the phone. She, um, you know, someone calls. Uh, Michael's at the back door. Annie and Lindsay. Um, or, well, hold on. Lindsay finally goes outside. She sees that Annie has gotten caught in the window. She's trying to get out and she helps her. Um, Annie wants to. Um, talk or pick up her boyfriend uh after she talks to him on the phone for a moment and says like i want to take um you know Lindsay over to your house you know to to play with tommy doyle yeah so and, basically um, we're both babysitting but why don't you babysit both kids while i go hook up with my boyfriend right and of course Lori's like fine and you know because she's all like girl she's, scout comes through yeah, again she's definitely an eeyore of the, she is uh, a, of yeah. the friend group. She is the Eeyore, you're right. <laughs> She's like, oh, gosh. Let's do a, let's, uh, tri- you know, carve a pumpkin. Oh, um, can't get a boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> Where's Ben Tramer? I know, Ben Tramer. He doesn't want to go with me. Um, so Annie, uh, they go, Annie and Lindsay, they go over to Tommy's house to watch TV. Annie goes to pick up, you know, wants to pick up uh, her boyfriend, like I said. She goes back to um, Lindsay's house to go grab, you know, to go to the car. She realizes there's no key, you know, she never keys. The car door is like she can't get in. It's locked. She goes, grabs her key. She comes back. It's unlocked, but she's not really singing. She's singing a song about her boyfriend. It's really oh, stupid. Paul. Paul. <laughs> I sing a song for no reason. I give you my all. <laughs> I know. So she sees, she doesn't really realize something is amiss until she realizes it's all like foggy condensation inside the car and the door was unlocked when it was locked previously like a few moments before michael's in the back seat and he strangles annie that's the first first kill kill. since uh judith um and i guess poor lester the dog and oh yeah so tommy and Lindsay are watching the gas station guy oh right that he stole the clothes from can't forget about him r.i.p gas station guy yeah got poor does it even have his name on there I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Either. So Tommy and Lindsay are watching a movie. Tommy looks outside again 
to see Michael walking with Annie, dead body, Annie, uh, in his arms, and back inside, Tommy yells for Lori, like, the boogeyman, ah, and she's like, it's fine, you know, she doesn't believe him. Uh, back at the Myers house, Loomis is waiting, and the sheriff comes back. He doesn't believe Loomis very much, uh, but Loomis insists that death has arrived in Ad- Haddonfield. Uh, the sheriff is like, if this is true, then, like, basically fuck you for letting this happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, like, like, it's his fault that... Right. Michael's there. Um, so then um, Linda and Bob arrive to um, Lindsay's house where Annie was babysitting, but she's not there. I mean, she's sort of there, but not because she's dead. Yeah. But um, she, like she had told Linda that they could come hook up at the house because she had gotten rid of Lindsay. Right. Yeah. So it was going to be the hookup spot for everybody since the kid had been cleared out. Yeah. Gross. Um, <laughs> so the house is empty and um, then... You know, and, yeah, and um, Lindsay's at uh, Tommy's house with Lori. The two of them start making out. They're like, oh, this house is all by, you know, empty, and we have the place to ourselves. Except for Michael's there. Um, <laughs> and he's there watching. Linda calls Lori and uh, is like, where the hell is Annie? You know, where mm-hmm. is she? Lori says, well, she went to go pick up Paul. So then they're like, oh, great. So then Bob and Linda start, you know, overacting in bed. Um, and then we see the shadow of Michael walking by. Bob goes to get a beer where he spots the back door that's open. Michael stabs Bob to the wall and looks at him uh, for a long time. Quizzically. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Meanwhile, Linda's in bed. And, uh, and then a figure in a sheet wearing Bob's glasses is at, is at the door. Linda is kind of weirded out because she keeps asking him questions and he's not responding. And then she's basically like, well, fuck you then. Yeah, she gives him a little, like, a little titty show. Like, yeah. <laughs> and um, then didn't get a reaction. No reaction at all. She calls Lori, uh, and Lori's on the horn. And then um, isn't able to say anything because Michael starts strangling her. And Lori thinks that she's being, like, tricked again. Because yeah. her friends are shitters who are... <laughs> who thinks she's lame can't find yeah. a man and then they like give her shit all the time she's like oh my gosh quit fooling around um then Lori calls back uh Lindsay's house back and the phone just rings and rings and rings she goes and looks across the street and she's kind of perplexed she's like what the fuck's going on at this point um then she goes and checks on Lindsay and Tommy who are you know sleeping um, meanwhile, Loomis is looking at the Myers house. He spots the stolen car and runs over to, to like, check it out. He's like, oh, my gosh, this is the car that was stolen um, when we, you know, when he didn't help that nurse earlier. Um, Lori goes downstairs to grab the keys to Lindsay's house, and she sort of, like, approaches it very slowly. The scene is crazy, like, yeah. just so much... Like intense, yeah. yeah. Like she just like steps out of the door and closes it behind her, and then stands for a moment and looks at the house, and then yeah, yeah, and beautifully played. It's it's really 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 good. Um, She's just confused about what's going on. She's just perplexed, and she rings the doorbell. She calls out for her friends, Bob, Linda, and basically everyone. Like, hey, where where is everyone? Lori calls uh, or sees the back door is once again open. Uh, Lori walks in. She calls out for them. Bob's body's not on the wall anymore. It's gone. Uh, and nothing really seems amiss. It's dark, and she hears a creak and then a thud. She's pissed because she thinks her friends are being assholes. Like, yeah. they've basically been this whole movie. <laughs> um, she shouldn't be surprised at this point. Right. She goes upstairs and spots a room where there's lights on. She enters the room and sees the stolen tombstone, Judith Myers' tombstone, and a dead Annie on, on the bed. And she says... Then she sees a dead Bob and then a dead Linda, where they just kind of all like pop Popping out, out of, everywhere. Yeah. It's that whole corpse revelation yeah, scene. And, and she's like, ah, because she's the scream queen. She's like, ah, 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 like, 
I gotta get out of here. And then we spot Michael in the shadows and he stabs Lori. And then she falls over the railing of, um, and lands in the um, entryway of mm-hmm. the house. Yeah. And it's um, she runs away. She's stalked by Michael. Lori has to, um, she goes back to the back door, but it's been locked solid. And there's um, a chair on the opposite side, like trapping her in. Mm-hmm. And Or not a chair. Maybe it was a shovel something that was keeping yeah. her from getting out. Um, she eventually smashes the glass, um, and so she can get out, and she runs to a neighbor's home, and they see she's there screaming, and I think they just think it's, like, a prank, and they're like, whatever, you know, go away, and then she runs back to Tommy's house, and she's like, let me in, let me in, you know, because she locked it fast, you know, kept it, she thought something was weird, she locked the house, um, when she left, yeah. And uh, to go investigate. And then Mike or Tommy's like, wakes up. he's like, oh, I'll come right down. But then he like walks at a snail's pace to come down and like let her back in the house. Um, and Michael's just slowly walking across the street toward her. He eventually is able to open the door. And then Lori says um, she tries to call the police when she runs outside. The line is not connected anymore. Michael takes another swipe at her because the window was open and he gets inside. She stabs him with a knitting needle, um, you know, quite handily, and yeah. um, grabs the knife. Doesn't she get him in, like, the neck? Yeah. She yeah. stabs him pretty good in the neck with this huge, long knitting needle that she was... Uh, was, she, was she knitting? It, it was her she knitting went, like, that she brought yeah. as, a, you know, a babysitting activity. Yes. So then she stabs him. She grabs his knife. He seems to be stunned, and he's lying there. She's relieved. She's like, oh, thank goodness. Let me drop this knife away from me onto the floor. <laughs> and she's breathing and she's like oh gosh okay and then at this point you see Loomis walking in the neighborhood he's like Michael's here Michael's around here somewhere that car was parked he's gotta be here somewhere Yeah. and also it's like kind of his old hood too like where he had his house right also. it's not that far from right. the Myers house yeah and then um, so the sheriff is then um, drives up and Loomis is like the car that Michael stole is he's here. here he's here He's in your neighborhood, and he's like, okay, like, I'm going to go get... He's like, okay, I'm on it. And Lori runs up the stairs at this point. She goes to retrieve Tommy and Lindsay. Lori tells them um, that, you know, like, to stay, that the killer is there. He's Tommy says, you can't kill the boogeyman. And Lori um, is like, you know, go hide. Lori locks herself in the closet. You know, the little kids are kind of, like, away from, you know, you don't feel like they're, like you know, in de- a lot of danger. Uh-huh. I feel like he, he's just chasing her at this point. So she locks herself in the closet door, which is, I guess, made of wicker or something. Right. I don't know what it's made out of, but... Really, really shitty louvered doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he smashes through. Um, she's able to um, get glory, and she gets a wire hanger and just scratches him, the shit out of him, in the eye. Uh, he drops the knife again, and she stabs him. Uh, she's leery this time. She, like, has the knife in her hand, and then she's like, oh, thank goodness, and drops it again. Um, <laughs> Maybe keep it this time, Lori. I mean, I love you, I but... Know, right? <laughs> so then Lori goes and retrieves Tommy and Lindsay. She says, please run to her neighbor and call the police. Run as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. So those two call <laughs> ass. They run out the front door screaming, like, the worst I, fire drill in history. I know, they're like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, you know, call the police. So then, um... Lori is catching her breath again, like, oh, gosh, thank goodness, I've defeated him again. Uh, and then he sits up again and starts to pursue her. She starts, uh, he starts strangling her. She rips up the mask, rips it off, and Loomis suddenly appears, and he shoots Michael. 
Michael falls out of the house <laughs> somehow uh, off a balcony. As one does. As one does. Don't you hate it when you fall out of the house? Yeah, like he backed through a set of double glass doors across a small Juliet balcony and then over the railing of the balcony. Yeah. He um, fell Those out of the serious. house. Fell out of the house. And lands on the front lawn. Laurie says to Loomis, that was the boogeyman. And Loomis says, as a matter of fact, that was. Um, and then when you shoot, there's a panning over the front yard again where he just was and he's not there anymore. Where did he go? And there's and that like an... is the end <sighs> of Halloween. So good. So, did you think it was scary? Um, hmm... I don't think it's scary anymore, obviously, because I've seen it so many times. And because I can't even it's. Count how many times? Yeah, no, it. it's like, because I'm like you were, I will watch it at least every Halloween, but every now and then sometimes between Halloweens. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and it's all, I've said this like about a lot of movies that it's hard to imagine what it would have been like to have seen it when it was new. Yeah. Because there was no Michael Myers in our. Yes. our collective consciousness i think michael myers is like part of the ethos of yeah. like just it's a familiar just like a hockey yeah. mask is a familiar scary thing even if you have no idea why and you don't know the character's name and you've never seen a movie mm-hmm. you know that that you have that association yeah um and yeah. so and michael myers is like to the point where you know like when mike myers career started everybody was like wait like mike myers like this your name is mike myers <laughs> he's like but i'm canadian eh? i'm canadian so eh? i'm really nice eh <laughs> um so to imagine what it would have been like to see this and have that be a new vision mm-hmm. that you didn't know what to expect from. You you couldn't anticipate what he was going to do. Um, and also at a time where the formula that these movies follow hadn't really been established yet for like the viewership. Yeah. Um, it was probably freaking terrifying. They Definitely. did like such good work with like like you said the music. Yes, it's iconic mm-hmm. and like there's a part that like do 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 do. But there's also another like, portion of the score that is yeah that's used more often during the film itself. Yeah, where the other one is really notable for being in the opening credits, and it's used some in the movie too. But like there's other elements of the soundtrack that are used throughout it that create such as like a saturating experience mm-hmm. um and like you said there are the scenes where it's like perfectly built suspense the use of silence when they're not utilizing um that music um yeah i think that it it did everything it did it did exactly right yeah yeah i think i mean it's it's iconic for a reason that music i think probably gives everyone a chill. Yeah. You know, even if you've never seen the movie, you're like, mm. oh, something is unsettling about this. <laughs> Something's and amiss. I, I don't know what it is. Do you think it's scary? So, uh, when I was a kid, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I saw it when it, the first time I saw it. I was like probably 10. Um, but like, it was edited, you know. Okay. But, you know, not to say that there's tons of gore. There yeah, really no. isn't. It was just like the nudity, like a little bit. Yeah, there's like, a, a smidgen of nudity. A little a bit. A little bit of blood, but very but negligible. Really. Yeah. And there's, like, no cursing, really. Yeah, it was, um, 
I want to say cable, like UPN or something, around yeah. Halloween time. Yeah. And when they were, like, showing movies like that, like, um, you know, Friday the 13th and other stuff. And I'm like, well, I'm watching this and I'm only 10, but. Sign me up. Sign me up. Uh, and I remember being like, oh, this is, this is scary, you know. Yeah. Uh, because there's no really rhyme or reason. Yeah. For no it. explanation. Right. And she just happened to, like. You know, her dad happened to be a realtor, and she happened to drop a key by, and he was, like, being like, well, you walked near my house, so I have to stalk you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's just weird. Mm-hmm. And um, to say it could just be, like, you can be stalked anytime, and it's so arbitrary. Yeah. You know, when someone will who's completely out of their mind will just, like, fixate yeah. on you for no reason. When they picked, <sighs> like, the m- safest feeling setting to put it in. It's, like, mm-hmm. suburbia. Yeah. Illinois suburbia with like wide tree-lined streets and family homes and kids walking to Just and from school, school and yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of it was um I don't know really good like and and I think or or terrifying because it felt like it could happen to anyone. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it so good and it's also relentless. Mm-hmm. Michael is relentless. Yeah. You know, and there's no escaping. And I think we find that out more. Um as you're going to probably talk about in, in the sequels, but like he keeps getting up, yeah, and, he, and there's no like defeating this this boogeyman, mm-hmm. and he is a boogeyman. Yeah, well, yeah, that's like the the idea that you know he's a person. He was a child who committed a crime and was locked up and escaped and is now stalking people. But they layer that in with this idea of the boogeyman. Um, from the beginning of the movie, and then as time goes forward, and you have. Loomis saying things like, it's not a man, it's a blah, blah, blah. They they start kind of folding together. Like Michael incarnate. Yeah, like yeah. Michael's human character. And then this, yeah, this just evil entity um, is like, you know, one and the same. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of it, uh, you know, on this rewatch, not to say like, some of it's just good fun. And you're like, it's, yeah. it's just it's scary to be scary. But like, I did kind of think like, they do make a very... It's very purposeful for making these characters who are ditzy and sexual um, get killed. Yeah. For a reason. And it's it kind of, to me, it felt a little bit like uh, um, like when a serial killer has, basically they feel entitled or they feel like they're doing the world a favor. Yeah. By, by doing, killing somebody who is, is a sex worker or is, is um, you know, promiscuous or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they have it coming you know, for yeah, some reason. Yeah, it's less wrong. Yeah, yeah. so I kind of, like, was thinking about that, and I'm like, well, then also it's just, like, a silly... It's a movie that they just wrote to be scary, and, and yeah. that's, you know... But that was, I mean... So you try to find the meaning, maybe a little yeah, more? Yeah, I mean, if you go back to... Um, I mean, they talk about it in the movie Urban Legends. They talk about it at the end of Scream. Yeah. Um, you know, because this is this is a babysitter tale. Yeah. Um, and, like, you know, Which along with yeah, When a Stranger Calls, tale. like, those are, like, the two best uses of this babysitter idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you could almost, like, a, kind of link it to the whole, like, any camp setting that you have in a horror movie because mm-hmm. you have, like, these, like, young, like, teen or young adult caregivers to children that aren't theirs is, like, essentially a babysitter. Yeah. Um, but taking that, uh, you know, just kind of familiar concept of the babysitter. But like you say, Lori is the, the good girl the quote-unquote good girl yeah you know she's the studious one that doesn't date and she even dresses like so much more conservatively than her two friends Mm -hmm. um and they they one of the things they tease her about is that she's she's nerd like uh, she she loves babysitting she brings craft projects for the kids you know she brings her knitting like all of that stuff and they're like you're such a loser 
Um, <laughs> and she's whereas, like, I know. Whoa. But I'm going to live and you're going to die. Yeah, right. <laughs> because you're boning your boyfriend and leaving right. your books at school. Um, yeah. So it is, it's a cautionary tale in mm-hmm. that way. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I guess I was probably reading into it more um, because it's been more established later. You know, more yeah, like, maybe. more like, um, I think at the time, maybe a little bit like, hey, this is what happens. But maybe I think it's been more and more reinforced um, as we watch more horror movies. And, yeah. um, you know, there are more sequels and then other genres where it's like, if or not genres, excuse me, um, other movies where they're like, if you take your top off, you're going to die. You yeah. know, or, or if you're promiscuous in any way or if you have opinions or whatever, mm-hmm. you're going to get murdered. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought or God kinda... forbid you're not white. Which oh. everybody in this movie was. So yeah. that element wasn't present. But that's sure. another factor that comes into that a lot of times yeah. about the, the victims that deserve yeah. to be yeah. victimized. Well, I know you did like a ton of research. <laughs> lots of... Because there's how many sequels? Like a mil... Uh, mm. Enough that we needed lot? to do two episodes for this uh, franchise. We had to spread it out. Yeah. And it's the um, super fun thing about the sequels in Halloween is that they... Um, there's like kind of three different reality timelines um, depending on which sequels you're watching. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the we picked for this episode to cut off with the 1995 sequel, which was um, number six, Halloween 6, um, because that is actually the close of the initial storyline before they started a new one. And um, they just decided, like, screw it. Yeah, they were like, you know what? This has gotten really bad. Let's try again. Let's try again. Hey, that's fine. Yeah. You can just do it again. Try and try again. Don't quit. You learn by failing. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So the original came out in 78, as you said. Um, The sequel, Halloween 2, came out in 1981. Um, And I think that, you know, combining the end of um, the first one and the beginning of the second one, I think is like really, really significant. I mean, this is just my opinion and it might be true, you know, greater film students than I could say. Um, but it seems to me that it's like the first time you really open the door to this immortal or deathless villain, because mm-hmm. this was before Jason. This was before Leatherface, even before Kruger. Yeah. Well, Kruger, was, but Kruger demon. was he was supernatural when yeah, he, he was, was a demon. Yeah. Right. Um, when he was actually killing. But these are supposedly just human men that can't die. Right. Yeah. Um, and Michael was kind of the first time we were seeing that where it's like, you can shoot him, you can burn him, you can run him over with a car. Every, he's just going to keep coming back. He's not going to, he's never going to stop. And you yeah. you combine that with the whole, like the slow walking thing that, I mean, he does, Jason does, where it's like, they don't need to chase you. They're a shark. Because they're, they're inevitable. Yeah. They're going to get you eventually. Mm-hmm. They don't need to rush. Yes. And so that almost makes it a little bit scarier because like they have that certainty that eventually they will get you mm-hmm. and they're just going to keep going and they're never going to stop. Right. Yeah. Um. And like you said, that Dr. Loomis, like, and um, he did this a lot in number two, keeps insisting that he isn't a man. He's not a man. He's not a man because he's like, he's, he's evil. He's something beyond just a human that you can shoot or arrest or handcuff or anything like that. Um, so Halloween 2 begins by replaying the final few minutes of the first movie um, where he falls out of the house. <laughs> yeah, and then he <laughs> fell out of the house. <laughs> yeah, and then he disappears, leaving like this man-shaped, like, I don't know if it was like dewy and then but like there was an outline of him in the grass yeah like he fell and he was that heavy that he flattened the grass 
guess or what? Also, he was supposed to be like tall and imposing. Yes, so yeah, he was a big guy. A big guy who fell out of the house onto yeah. the grass and big man fall hard. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he, he disappears off the lawn. He stalks around the neighborhood and continues killing while Lori is taken from the house to the hospital by ambulance because, as you said, he did stab her, but he it was only in the arm. Yeah, so that's why she was on her forearm or something. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, if it, I think it was her upper arm. But okay. either way, it was like obviously a non-fatal wound, but she still needed to go get treatment. Yeah. Um, and while she's getting treated, Dr. Loomis is working with the cops to try and find Michael. Um, they're all like very skeptical because Loomis is telling them that he like pumped six bullets into Michael and he survived. And they're like, yeah, sure you did, pal. Um but then Michael manages to overhear that Lori's been taken to the hospital, and so he follows her there and starts killing everybody at the hospital, including my favorite killing of Halloween, too, is there's this horny nurse and EMT couple mm-hmm. where um, that. <laughs> that old I chestnut. Seen it, I haven't seen it in, like, 10 years, but yeah. even now I'm like, <laughs> yeah. like giggling. Because all of the nurses are, like, you know, have these, like, knockout, like, supermodel bodies and these really form-fitting nurse uniforms. As one does. As one does. When you and go then into nursing. you've got like this like super horny EMT guy who's like um he's like a quagmire type. <laughs> he's like basically giggity giggity giggling at her. <laughs> um, and so they are hooking up in the um like the therapy bath. Yeah. In like the physical therapy room and then like Michael like turns up the heat on the water and um, he kills the guy with the knife out of the bath while the girl isn't aware but then he goes to the girl and then like holds her under the like boiling water and just mm-hmm. basically like uh, drowns her slash scalds her to death. Slash lobsters. So, yeah, she's full lobster. on lobster. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a pretty, that was one of the first times where they got kind of creative with how he killed somebody. Yeah, I mean, not just a strangle. We need yeah, a nice He's, he's kind of basic. Scaldy. Yeah, he's like, I'm just gonna choke you. He's, this, he's the wolf man who just strangled women all the time. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you need to spice it up a little. Yeah, he's the opposite. Because like Freddy Krueger was like, it's something different and wild and creative every time because it's yeah. all in dreams. Yeah. But with Michael, he's like, nope, I'm just gonna cut your throat cut your throat cut your throat stab you maybe a strangle strangle stab stab cut your throat um but he got a little creative with this nurse lady um so now we get the piece of information introduced that Lori is actually michael's baby sister um that Mm. she was two years old when um michael killed their older sister judith Mm -hmm. and um so then she was they don't i don't remember if they actually explicitly say what happened to the parents but um Lori was then adopted out and everybody like her adopted parents requested that the records be sealed so nobody would ever know um Mm -hmm. that she was a myers right well i mean her parents are probably like we messed up the first one yeah. or the other one and the other died so let's just drink ourselves to death something happened well, to them. they're like you know let's just um offload this problem <laughs> you know <laughs> maybe we weren't meant to be parents maybe not <laughs> Um, so that's, you know, a pretty interesting nugget of information. And it explains what we didn't understand in the first movie was that that's why mm-hmm. he's fixated on pursuing her. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't know if this was already part of their plan when they made the first movie or if it was something they came up with for the second movie. Because some of what makes the first movie scary is that there's, there seems to be no reason why she's the target. Yeah. Like you were saying, it's just random. Yeah. Um, and then giving this reason could have been something they were planning all along. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was just something they came up with to, like, try and make the story more fleshed out or interesting for the sequel. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so he does pursue her throughout the hospital, out into the parking lot, back into the hospital. Eventually, Loomis arrives to help. Um, Michael is shot again by Loomis. Michael falls, then gets back up. Michael stabs Loomis. Uh, then Lori shoots Michael. Um, and he's blinded. But then finally, they uh, open the gas on all of the compression tanks in whatever room in the hospital, and they explode it, uh, in theory, killing Michael by fire, along with Loomis. So the, the movie ends appearing that Laurie has survived, and Loomis and Michael have perished together in this explosion slash mm-hmm. fire. So that's the close of Halloween 2. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. He's fine. So then Halloween 3 rolls around uh, just one year later in 1982, and uh uh-oh, what's happening here? Um, So John Carpenter's original plan for the Halloween franchise was that it was going to be an anthology of stories that all took place on Halloween, but were not otherwise connected by character or theme. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's why he killed Michael at the end of two, because he was done with the Michael Myers story. Um, And he came to number three with a completely new story that was almost a little more science fiction-y, but it it took place on Halloween. Um, But it was not well received by critics or fans. Um, even though now it has gained its kind of own cult classic status and following. I mean, it's fun. I barely remember what happened in it because I've probably it's been 20 years yeah. since I watched it. Well, I rewatched but it as part of my 1982 I be- project. I think, but I think it's like, um, it, it, if it's like a, it's an animal on its own. It's not part of that. Yeah. You know, if you, if you go into it knowing that, it's like, it's kind of fun. It's yeah. Not, nothing horrible or bad. And I know? think there's probably like people, people that tend toward the underdog, people mm-hmm. that like things that everyone else hates yeah. are going to be like, it's a good movie. You guys suck. Um, but basically the majority of the fans came to that movie expecting it to be another Michael Myers movie because the Ugh. first one was and the second one was. I would and be then, so pissed. Probably. And then the third one wasn't and they were like, what the hell? You took my money, and I was expecting more Halloween. Yeah, and what and is this shit? Haunted mas- masks. <laughs> um, so they, I don't know, reluctantly, not so reluctantly, brought Michael back for the next film. Yeah. So Halloween 4 came out six years later in 1988. It was called The Return of Michael Myers, mm-hmm. aptly. Um, so what I have for that one is that 10 years after Laurie's Night of Terror, so that night um, in the hospital, a Smith's Grove ambulance arrives one dark and stormy night at Ridgestone Sanitarium for a, quote, patient pickup and transfer. The patient, Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, he's alive. We also learn that Loomis also survived the night at the hospital. So mm-hmm. basically they were like, oh, we got to keep making Michael Myers movies. I guess yeah. we better resurrect these two main characters. Loomis has a little burn on the yep, face. Yep, a little burn just on one side, even yeah. though he was in a room that literally blew up. <laughs> no, you you just get a burn on one face. Well, one side, face. not both sides. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he, uh, Michael is, you know, sedated. He's in the ambulance um, for the transfer, and he overhears the doctors saying that he has he now has a young niece living in his hometown. <gasps> dun, dun, so of dun. course he kills everyone in the uh, the vehicle, and he escapes. He's like, young niece, I'll see about that. <laughs> yeah, young niece, you say? Time to die. So uh, we have a new heroine now, uh, Jamie, who is played by the adorable little Danielle Harris, yeah. um, who we will be talking about her again probably in the next Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jamie is Lori's nine-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lori, who died 11 months before this story is taking place. So she mm-hmm. um, 
They don't say how Jamie's parents died. They, we just know that they've been dead for almost a year. And she um, has now adopted slash fostered by this new family. And she has a big quote unquote sister whose name is Rachel. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lori or Jamie and Rachel are like kind of main characters um, now. And so I put long story short, Michael stalks Jamie and Rachel throughout Halloween evening, even while the disfigured Dr. Loomis tries to intercept Michael. Um, because, of course, he finds out that Michael escapes and he's on the job, just like he was in the first movie. Yep. Running around, screaming at people. Nobody believes him. Waving a gun in the air in his trench coat. Um, With his half burned face. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, uh, ultimately, at the end of the movie, Michael seems to be summarily killed at the end because Rachel runs him over repeatedly with a truck um, and then he is pumped full of shotgun shells by the entire sheriff's department. He's fine. He's fine. He is laying on the ground in the woods. Um, But the ending twist is that uh, the evil seems to have leapt to his niece, Jamie, because at the end of the night back at her home, she's still in her Halloween costume, which is the same costume Michael wears in the first one, the clown (gasps) costume with the silver mask. Mm -hmm. Um, She attacks her foster mom with a pair of scissors and stabs Mm -hmm. her. So you're like, ah, Michael's dead and now it's her. Yeah. Ah. Okay. So that's number four. That happens. (laughs) I hate it when that is the worst. Evil jumps. Spoils my Halloween. Um, So Halloween five came out the very next year again. Um, They were really trying to um, capitalize on this Danielle Harris being young and cute. Got to keep making the movies before she, you know, hits puberty or whatever. I mean, she always looked like a child. Yeah, she did. Kid. She did. Yeah, um, or she's not dead, but she does. <laughs> she's not dead, folks. Not dead. <laughs> no. Man, I hope not. Um, yeah. Oh God, wouldn't that be bad? Oh. Okay. Um, so Halloween Five is called the Revenge of Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it came out in '89, uh, and it revisits the night of Michael's killing at the end of the last movie because we know that if the movie left him as dead, they've got to show why he's alive again. Yeah. Um, So they add an element to the scene that wasn't there before, where after he's shot by the whole sheriff's department, he starts to drag himself into some sort of burrow in the woods. And rather than actually pursuing him, the sheriff's just drop some explosives in the hole and call it a day. Um, But of course, he's unaffected and he hauls himself into a river. I put a la Richard Kimball. Uh, <laughs> for an escape. Um, down the river, he stumbles to the shack of, I call him an old gent, like an old guy who lives in a shack out in the woods who's completely oblivious to everything that's going on in town. An old hermit. An old hermit. Um, and uh, he kind of seems to start to half-heartedly attack this old guy, but then Michael collapses, and the old guy, who has no idea like that this that there's this manhunt and this you know all these murders happening in town with them city folk um just seems concerned about this mysterious newcomer Mm -hmm. um and then we just immediately flash forward one year later so it's the following halloween and we're at the children's clinic in haddonfield where jamie is now treated she's still plagued by her psychic connection to michael that prompted the attack on her foster mom and now it has left her unable to speak so she doesn't talk anymore Mm -hmm. um presumably because it is halloween again michael finally awakens and finally kills that old dude in the shack in the woods and as Jamie predicts on her little chalkboard that she uses to communicate, Michael heads for Haddonfield. 
So now Loomis is back on the case. Michael's back. We got to find him. And he's trying to use Jamie's link, her psychic link to Michael, in order to find Michael and stop him. Um, But Jamie's not super cooperative. And ultimately, she sneaks out of the clinic and follows Rachel's friends to this big Halloween bash on a farm. Because Rachel, her sister Rachel, has like these really sweet girlfriends that are all like really attached to Jamie and visit her in the clinic all the time. And she really like they're all her big sisters and she loves them. And she knows because she can kind of see what Michael's seeing and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. She knows he's going after them and she doesn't want them to get hurt. So she, the 10 year old, is like, I'll stop him. And she sneaks out of the clinic um, and goes to try and help. Um, so Michael stalks and kills folks all over the farm. Um, but Loomis gets there, rescues Jamie, and then lures Michael back to his childhood home, the Myers house, where a trap has been set. And uh, when Michael does arrive there, though Loomis tries to kind of manipulate him, Loomis still gets stabbed while Jamie escapes once again, uh, only to find what I called an awesomely grisly scene in the attic. So there's a body discovery moment where there's bodies popping out all over the place, including her sister, Rachel, and their dog, Max. So another dog death. This one's a Doberman. Um, Plus, in the middle of all of this is this like handmade coffin with Jamie's own school photo propped in it. Um, so she decides to try the manipulation tactic and she climbs inside of the coffin. Um, when Michael arrives, uh, she talks to him. She calls him uncle. She gets him to take off his mask and he even starts crying. Um, but, you know, the moment passes, um, it kind of snaps out of it and he the pursuit resumes. Um, but then Loomis, who is still, of course, alive, um, uses Jamie as bait to lure Michael into this room where he has rigged a steel net. To fall from the ceiling mm-hmm. on Michael and starts just shooting him full of tranquilizer darts, which don't do anything. So Loomis beats him with a board until they both collapse into a heap. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay. So now Michael is in jail. He's alive, locked up in jail, and Jamie is ready to leave and head back to the children's clinic until this completely, I call it incongruous, random, tall, shadowy, gunslinger-type individual inexplicably shows up, shoots up the police station with an automatic weapon, and disappears with Michael. And the scene closes with Jamie staring at the empty jail cell, whimpering, no, no. And that's the end of that movie. (sighs) That's crazy. What does Lewis do all year? I mean, he rests. He rests up. He nurses his new burn wounds. He's out in France. (laughs) He's like, you know. Lavender fields. He's really into it. And then he's like, I gotta go. Like, oh, oh, it's November 1st. Oh, it's September 30th. I better go gotta, I gotta book my tickets. Gotta go back. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Go grab my steel net. Yeah. (laughs) And my boards. And my ropes. My handgun to wave on the streets. Um, And so the last sequel that is part of this kind of first trajectory came out in 95. So that is six years after the previous one. It was called The Curse of Michael Myers. Um, And it opens with a now 18-year-old Jamie, 18 or 19, uh, giving birth surrounded by druids. In a, and a ceremony that follows performed over her newborn baby boy. And all of this is taking place under a, vo- a voiceover by none other than Paul Rudd. Ah, <gasps> oh, <my God. laughs> So he's filling us in on... Tommy con- Doyle. 
you know, the whole backstory of Michael um, and inform like basically letting us know that both Michael and Jamie actually disappeared that night at the police station. So we mm-hmm. didn't see Jamie get taken or anything. But Paul tells us that she did vanish that same night along yeah. with Michael. So this movie uses the occult angle a lot more heavily than the rest of them to push the story forward, introduce, like, talks more about Samhain, which is the, you know, the Druid festival that's celebrated on Halloween and this demon thorn and the sacrifice of Michael's family. Like, all of it got kind of trying to, you know, give more reason for why he does what he does, how he is what he is, like, just trying to answer those questions. Yeah, which, like, (sighs) you know, some might argue it's scarier when those questions are unasked, but when you're on the sixth movie, I think that they feel like they need to give you a little something more. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what they go with. (laughs) Um, So It's demons! It's it's demons! Um, A nurse helps Jamie escape with her baby, and, of course, Michael leaves in hot pursuit, um, we cut to Michael's, the Myers um, home, Michael's childhood home that is now occupied by a family, including a young boy named Danny, who has bad dreams about the, quote, voice man. Um, and living in the boarding house across the street from the Myers house is Tommy Doyle, Paul Rudd, who is now 25 years old. And he's in a boarding house. His his He seemed like he was well off. So I'm confused, like, you know, when he was a little boy. Like, his house was very nice. Like, how come he's in a boarding house? He's a, is he a troublemaker? Yeah, they, they kind of reference that ever since the trauma of the events that first Halloween, he was pretty messed up. And I think that his life didn't didn't follow a great trajectory between then and now. Okay. Um, but they don't, they don't really dive into that deeply. Um, but yeah, so I don't know why there's a boarding house across the street from the Myers house, but he has a room there and he's, zoning, you know, like zoning issues. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, Murder he, house right next to the boarding house. Right. Let's just put them together. together. Yeah. Yeah. That and the trains. Um, and he's like, you know, obviously understandably like obsessed with Michael and all of these events that have mm-hmm. happened and is like knows all of the players, knows all the events. Yeah. Um, and uh, so both Tommy and the retired Dr. Loomis, so now he's like off in this country home, in you know, <laughs> writing his memoirs. <laughs> he's in um, France. He's in France. <laughs> France. Um, but they're both listening to um, a radio show when a desperate Jamie calls in. Um, and like the radio, the talk show host, like obviously thinks it's just like this prank or whatever, but both Tommy and Dr. Loomis like know enough about the situation to like recognize like, oh, this is actually Jamie calling from just based on what she says. Yeah. Um, and uh, so after she makes that call, um, from a phone booth and a bus station, she hides her baby cause she's still being chased by Michael. And then he catches up to her and kills her. Um, so Tommy's able to like sleuth his way and actually find the baby at the bus station. And then he reaches out to Loomis for help. Um, And then next he teams up with Danny, the little boy across the street, and Danny's mom, Kara, who at this point we've learned are actually Strodes. Um, That, uh, like, it's Kara's dad Mm -hmm. was Lori's adoptive dad's brother. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So when I was first thinking that, and I was like, oh, so Kara and Danny are are Michael's blood relatives, but they're not because Lori was adopted by the Strodes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they all live in the Myers house because it had been impossible to sell. Yeah. So they just, um, the, the, um, Lori's dad just let his brother move into it because he couldn't sell it. That plus there's the boarding house. 
Across the right, street. this problematic boarding house with this creepy 25-year-old guy. <laughs> yeah, I was always looking at his window. <laughs> <Look at that. laughs> like a big weirdo. Um, so then, now that Michael's got, you know, killed Jamie, but he's still looking for the baby. So he works his way through killing the whole new Strode family. The mom, the dad, the son, the son's girlfriend, also another random, the radio host. Um, so now the only people left are Kara and Danny and then Tommy and Loomis. Um, the big twist that occurs is that we realize suddenly that the Smith's Grove doctor who had been trying to pull Loomis out of retirement was actually the head druid. Um, and Tommy's landlady at the boarding house was also in the druid cult. Sure. Yeah. And so they all... Oh, um, what a stretch. <laughs> so they all show up to reclaim the baby. Um, and uh, when they take the baby, they also take Kara and Danny um, for some reason, not Tommy and Dr. Loomis. So they awaken from being drugged in some way and set out to rescue um, the other folks from where they're being held at Smith's Grove, because evidently that's where the Druids secretly operate. Um, so after a, you know, a drawn out pursuit and killing and whatnot at Smith's Grove, in the end, Tommy has this real cathartic moment where he beats Michael supposedly to death uh, with a pipe. <laughs> Um, and then everybody's all set to depart Smith's Grove, um, but Loomis stays behind. He goes, no, no, go on without me. He says he's got business to attend to, which presumably was to ensure that Michael was dead. But of course, Loomis discovers the empty mask laying on the ground where the body had been. And the movie closes with Loomis's screams of dismay. Um, and then a title card that says, in memory of Donald Pleasance, oh. who was the actor that played Loomis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I looked up a little bit about that. So Pleasance, um, he died of heart failure on February 2nd, 1995, which was eight months before this movie was released. Mm -hmm. um, and he had been in every single one, like a main, main character in every single movie, except for three, obviously. Yeah. Um, so he was a real like backbone of the, the franchise at that point. Um, and so I was looking through some trivia about him. Um, evidently, so Mustafa Kad was the, you know, director and producer on, on all of these at one point asked Donald Pleasance how many more Halloween films he was planning on making and Donald replied I stop at 22 <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other thing that I thought saw that I was like oh no way is before his death he had agreed to play the role the role of Toulon the puppet master in three <gasps> puppet master sequels which would have been filmed back to back in Romania over the course of about 10 weeks so he had just signed on for that but then he passed he away died. before they could make those I was like because I love, you know, the Puppet Master movies are so delightfully terrible. And I was like, oh, Donald Pleasance in a Puppet Master movie. That would have been awesome. That would have been it. incredible. Um, but yeah, so that's the first kind of um, storyline, um, yeah. timeline or trajectory in the Halloween universe. And when we pick back up, we're going to see kind of like a diversion, like that, you know, a la what they describe in Back to the Future 2. Mm -hmm. But we can go into that next time. Yeah. And this is a world where... Jamie Curtis actually, Jamie Lee Curtis actually takes part. Yes. And and, and instead of being like, nah, I'm going to do Freaky Friday and all the other movies. <laughs> and True Lies. And True Lies. I'm going to work with Arnold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and she comes back to her roots later. So yeah. I'm very, I'm glad because it's, it's been a really good. I yeah. I think it's been really good. Yeah. So. And I mean, while they're not 
um, they're not high quality horror films like some of the you know the recent ones that are being made um, in the Halloween franchise and everything. They have their own special charm and they hold that place that I observe in a lot of these um, Halloween series that go crazy with the franchises. Where at the beginning they'll be really good and then they have a dip in the middle where it's just like like you always call them cash grabs, mm-hmm. um, where they're just kind of churning something out and the stories are not impressive and the performances yeah. are usually pretty not great. Great. But they um, know people will come, like me. Yep. We'll, and me. We'll and we'll go. buy the DVD. I own all of these on DVD. Um, but then there's there's often, like, a resurgence, you know, in, like, the, the 2000s, the 2010s, when they started reinvesting, you know, more more better writing, better performances in these franchises, either with later sequels or remakes. Yeah. Um, so the you need those films in the middle to hold up the tower. Sure. <laughs> they yeah. are the shit on the bottom. Yeah. Well, um, I think that was a great recaps of all the... There's a lot. There's, there's a lot. A lot. Of, there's, uh, there's a lot of content. Yeah, we're about halfway through the Halloween universe, yeah. for, for those of you that yeah. aren't aware. Yeah. <laughs> but that's um, enough for today. Sure. So we'll just talk about that for today. Um, and then next episode, or yeah, you can talk more about that. We're going to talk about H2O, Halloween H2O, and then Beyond. And there's a lot of different yeah, movies. Yeah, so. H2O, H2O, actually, I was surprised. I, in my uh, in my gut, felt it was more separated from the sequels that I just described. But really, it came out only three years after the Paul Rudd sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, but was generally regarded as the best Halloween movie since the original Halloween when it was, it was released. Good. Yeah, that so it was called H2O because it was released 20 years after the original in 1998. Mm-hmm. And then it was immediately followed by Resurrection, um, which was like directly linked story-wise to mm-hmm. H2O. Yeah. Um, and then we had a gap in time um, and we had the uh, Rob Zombie remakes and then we have what is coming out now, which are the spectacular Danny McBride sequels. Which are... Which so good. So good. But they are not remakes. No. Rob no. Zombies were actually remakes of the original first two films. Yeah. Um, but these ones actually follow the story down the road. Yeah. We can go into like what I liked or didn't like about Rob Zombies' um, takes on them. Yeah. I, I like... I mean, when I was younger, I, I enjoyed the grittiness of his yeah. movies. And now I find like um, as someone who's almost touching 40 uh it's more of a dread yeah dread we, watching. We, we change so we change yeah i mean i think sort of like at first i was like oh those these movies devil's rejects is so edgy and i liked it and now i'm like ugh, like it just makes me feel like gross <laughs> i can't watch it like when i turn on halloween mm-hmm. during um you know september october the leaves are Changing in my mind. They're yeah, not they're not actually here changing here because all we have right. is Monterey Cypress, and that's right. <laughs> Nothing's changing, but you do get the feeling. You're like, oh, it's like fall. It's autumn. Yeah, it's feeling. It's feeling like ooky spooky. You got to put on Halloween. You don't feel dreadful in your stomach. No, and it's just fun. Yeah, it's um, charming. Yeah, I mean, people are being murdered, but it's in a charming way. Yeah, <laughs> so that's that's good. I think it'll be really fun, so I'm looking forward to it. And um, I also, I think we're going to work on a mini sode as well, where we talk about what we are, um, what we like about Halloween stuff. We um, some favorite costumes, maybe other watches that we like to watch, um, yeah. like shows or movies that we enjoy. It may come as a surprise to you, but we yeah. love Halloween. I know this is a, we like scary movies. This is probably yeah. Wouldn't that be shocking. funny if we loved scary movies and hated Halloween? 
How does that even make sense? No. It's like loving gifts and hating Christmas and hate, hating Christmas and <laughs> the Constitution of Christmas <laughs> or institution. Constitution? What did I call Either one. Institution. Whatever. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.